This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Matthew 25 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So the work of any local body of believers, the work of any local body of believers, any local church, any ministry, should be to seek and to save the lost, inside and outside, because we know that there are those who are lost outside. We know that for sure, but there's also those who are lost on the inside. They have lost their way for whatever reason. The other part of what the local body of believers, the local church, the ministry is to do, it is to build up the members in the faith, the members of that body in the faith, and to equip the members to serve God and each other. This is the work of any local body. It should be. So we, I want to remember, want us to remember as we're going through this message, and not just this message, but we need to keep at the forefront of our minds the mission. Remember, we got those nice blue cards with our mission statement on it. And I know, you know, messages go forth and we, we, we kind of move on to something new. Or we're not, I'm saying move on, meaning we're not necessarily talking about that thing. But then we forget. We tend to forget about it. We, we tend to, to let it slip in our minds. But we need to keep our threefold mission at the very forefront of our minds, particularly as we are in this season of teaching on restoration. That's important uh, because uh, uh, we're teaching on the restoration and how it relates to establishing Church of the Living Water. Remember, we are, we are in the process of establishing. We've been founded and the foundation has been good, but we are in the process of establishing Church of the Living Water. And we need to keep in mind that threefold ministry uh, uh, mission as we go through, as we t- these teachings are going forth about restoration. Restoration is intrinsically intertwined. It is intrinsically intertwined in our mission. It is vital, and it is an, it's, an, a, it's a vital and an inseparable element or quality of our mission. Upward, upward. In order to glorify God, we must be restored. Why? Because we must be free to worship Him. We have to be free to worship Him. Being free to worship Him means that meaning mean we can't be in bondage of unforgiveness of ourselves and of God. We cannot be in bondage of unforgiveness of ourselves and of God and of others. We cannot waddle in unmet expectations, nor holding on to what we think God should be doing or what he hasn't done based on a false sense of who he is, a false sense of who we believe him to be. And remember, all of this, what I'm saying, is really about, it's really a review. These are all things that you have heard. But I'm trying to show you, uh, uh, these are things that you've heard in the, the teachings of restoration. But I'm trying to show you how it ties in intrinsically to our mission. That we must li- listen attentively. That we must obey fully. We must conform completely to his word. To sound teaching and godly counsel. The process of restoration will lead you to do just that. And you have to, again, you have to be restored in order to glorify God. That's upward. 
inward in order to exhort and teach one another, we must first be restored and then be willing to help restore others just like David in Psalms chapter 51 verses 12 through 13. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. That's restoration. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. We must speak the truth in love. And admonish one another in good works. We must be able to pray for one another. Be able to encourage one another. Be able to minister to one another. And for that we must first be restored. You have to be restored in order to do any of that. And then outward. In order to participate in outreach beyond our four walls. We must first be restored. You can't lead anyone to Christ if you are lost or broken because you don't know the way. You've lost the way. If you are broken, if you are lost and you are broken, you cannot lead anyone to Christ. If you are lost, if you are broken, you can't lead anyone else to this assembly where they can be restored and this local body will die. This local body will die. Again, all of these things. It's about your restoration. It's about our restoration so that we can even carry out this threefold mission. We have to be restored in order to carry out this threefold mission. Upward, inward, and outward. Remember that restoration is by the master's hand. It is by the master's hand. It is his work in and through us to accomplish his will. His work to accomplish his will and to bring us to an expected end. The end is his return for the church at large. That's the end. The end. What what are you expecting? What are you looking for? What's the next move of God? Don't worry about the next move of God. Don't worry about that. You just need to be ready. Be ready. And ultimately, you need to be ready for the end. Anything in between, anything in between is still in preparation for the end. Anything in between is still in preparation for the end. Because those other things that come up, is going to bring about another trial. It's going to bring about trouble. It's going to bring about those things, persecution. It's going to bring about all of those things. And all of those things are to test your, unendure, your enduring faith. It's, a, it's, going to test, it's going to test where you are with God. It's going, to, it's going to try. It's going to weigh heavy. So it don't even matter because whatever it is, it is to pre- prepare you. It's to get you ready for the end time. And so that's sort of the thing. Remember I told you, we, we got to stop trying to focus on the dispensation. Stop focusing on the season. Stop focusing on that. What we need to be focusing on is what, is God, what does God want me to do right now in this time? What is, it, what is it that I should be doing? And I'm glad you asked. What is it that I should 
be doing. Remember that restoration must be passed down from generation to generation. That is what, that's going to establish us, establish this ministry as the restoration is passed down from generation to generation. From member to member, restoration has to be passed down because that is what is needed to have a firmly established ministry. It won't be enough for Pastor Forrest P. Hill to have been ready for the expected end. It won't be enough for Pastor Alva Y. Hill to be ready for the expected end. But the question is, will you be ready for the expected end? Will your children be ready for the expected end? Will the members of Church of the Living Water be ready for the expected end. What will Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, what will, what will he find this ministry doing when he returns? What will he find this ministry doing when he returns for his church, his bride? What will he find the members of Church of the Living Water doing? Though it tarries, because he's coming. When he comes, when he comes, though it tarries, wait with great expectation because it will surely come. It will surely come. And what should you be doing while you are waiting? I'm glad that you asked. Turn to Matthew. Let's look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to see here. What we should be doing. Verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, Open to us. He answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And so here we see, and let's observe these ten, these ten virgins, this parable of these ten virgins. Uh, we need to note first that in the Jewish tradition, it was custom for the virgin attendance. For the virgin attendants who, uh, and, and that's equated now to our bridesmaids, right? The, the, our bridesmaids. They would go in, in a solemn ceremonial way. They would go out and wait for the bridegroom to approach the house of the bride. They would go out to meet him. And it was usually late in, in the night. And they would go with their lamps as the bride waited expectantly 
for him. And that the, the, it was the, the, the job of those uh, virgin attendants to go and usher the bridegroom into the house for the consummation of the marriage. They were there to bear witness of the union. They were there to bear witness of the union. We're not going to turn there, but Hosea chapter 2, verse 19, it declares that the Jews were betrothed and engaged to be married. Betrothed meaning they were engaged to be married to God. And believers ought to follow that in that same spirit of truth. That as the church is called the bride of Christ, we are betrothed to Jesus Christ. And the culmination of our union will take place at the second coming, according to Revelations chapter 19. And we, we are going to go there. But understand that when we say that we are betrothed, I say that that means engagement. And we didn't, we didn't, I kind of went and talked about it a little bit when we were talking about I don't think I ever used the word engagement when we were going through our premarital class, but that's the period in between the courting style when you start to court and, and then you, you actually get married. That's that engagement period, that period when, when uh, again, when we get, be, begin to see and we can see the works of the marriage. We can start to see the works of the marriage. And what, it, what is that? that? That is the bridegroom. That The bridegroom is, is preparing. He is laying down his life. He is, and you can see all of that during during that time. Well, in the engagement period between us and God, we, be, we being betrothed to Him, it's that Holy Spirit, that down payment. Think of it as, as the biggest engagement ring that you got. That's the Holy Spirit that God puts in you. He's saying, listen, now you are betrothed to me. Yet there will be a union. We're going to, when I return back, we, I am coming back for you. That's what he's saying. He said, but until I come back and until we are unified and we make our union uh, solidified, he says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit so that to dwell in you, that is to bring you closer to me. And that will help you. That will help in our engagement period. That will help keep you. That will help comfort you. That will help bring you, help bring you to that expected end of, of my return, to bring you to to the point where you are ready to meet me. He says, I'm giving you, I've given you that. I've given you the Holy Ghost. And that's why it's important that we not, that we be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why it's important. He says that it will endure us with power. Endure us to, to, to be able to endure all of the hardness. To be able to endure, endure all of the trials. To be able to endure everything that we need to so that we can remain in the faith. Remain faithful. Remain committed to God. His ways. His word. To remain faithful to Him as His betrothed. As the one he's coming back for. Understanding that he's coming back for me. He's coming back for the, for the church. He's coming back for us as a whole. And look at this in, in Revelations chapter 19. Revelations chapter 19. The scripture. And it reads. Revelations uh, 19 and 7. 19 and 7. And the scripture reads, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Ready. Remember that. And remember, you need to remember and go back and, re- and listen to the teachings on being ready. Ready. What does that mean to be ready? Because I don't have time to go back through that with you. But you need to go back 
And if you're interested in the bridegroom coming, which you should be, you ought to be ready. You need to be ready. So you need to go back and review those. But, but for, 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 for time's sake, being ready, it means those who have adorned themselves in righteousness and holiness that's provided by their bridegroom himself. Oh, what, what a bride, what a bridegroom. You know, nobody else that you could be married to could ever, ever, even in their engagement period, even in that courting period, there is no one greater than God that can not only give you, He can provide what you need to make ready. Before the, look, before the marriage, He can provide for you to make Make to, so that you can be ready for him to be ready to meet. He is trying to uh, 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 he is trying to clothe you. He is trying to present you holy, to present you blameless before him, and that is the Holy Spirit making ourselves ready in His righteousness, staying close to Him in His righteousness and His holiness that only He can provide. However, in this scripture in Matthew chapter 25, let's turn back to, to there. Matthew chapter 25. Although it talks about, although it's talking about the bridegroom coming to to make consummation with with the the bride, the focus, however, is not on the bride in this parable. The focus is not on the bride in this parable. Stick with me. It is on the bridesmaids. It's on the attendees, the servants, and the bridegroom. That's the focus. It's on, the focus is on the attendees. They are the attendees. They are attending to Christ. They are the servants. They are now the servants of, of, uh, they're the servants of the bride. They are the servants of the bridegroom. The attendings who are now going to usher him. They are going to attend to what he needs. They are, they're going to attend to what he needs. The, the servants. Here, they represent, and we can, we can learn a lot. There's a lot, a lot to be learned in this lesson of the attendees. Of the attendees. So they, they are those in, in the church who profess to be Christian. They profess to be Christ-like. They profess to be following Christ. They represent the members of the church. These ten virgins. They're representing the members of the church. As members of the church, we are to attend to Christ even now. That is to be like him. That means to conform to his image and in his, in his conduct and his character. We are to glorify and to worship him. We should also be looking for and waiting on his second coming. These timber, they represent us. They represent the believers. They represent those who are professing to be Christ. Like those professing to be followers of Christ. And we should be attending just like they were uh, uh, designed and created. That's their, their job. That's what their purpose was, to attend to the bridegroom. We should be longing for his appearance. We should be longing for that. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And verse 15 and 16, it reads, That ye may be blameless, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights 
in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So these are the words of Paul. And he's saying, look, I've taught you. I've shown you the way. I've taught you the word. He says, and I want to, basically, we want to rejoice together at the end of the day. We want to be able to rejoice in the day of Christ. The day of Christ is at his coming, at his return. We want to be able to rejoice together. We want to be able to rejoice together. So we are light in a crooked and a perverse nation, and we must hold for, and we must hold for the word of life that we might all, that we may all rejoice in the day when he returns. So here among these ten members, these ten, these ten virgins, these ten attendees, uh, although all ten of them were professing to be Christians, were professing to be followers of Christ, there is a distinction of character in the sight of God. They were all professing to be Christ-like. They were all professing, all professing to be Christian. But in the sight of God, there was a difference in character. Here we find in, in verse 3, look at, oh, I'm sorry, go back to Matthew chapter 25. and In verse 3, it says, They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. So these, these five, these Five foolish attendees. They are representing the hypocrites in the church. They were more into themselves than into Christ. They are wise in their own conceit. Remember, they took the lamb, but they didn't take any oil. They, they were wise in their own conceit. They considered themselves as just men. Considering themselves as just men. They say the word is good, but it's not good for me. It's good for someone else. They don't consider that the word is for them. They don't consider that the word is good for them. It's good, but it's good for somebody else because they didn't need that word. They come to hear for themselves. or They, come, they don't come to hear for themselves or they don't take the warnings of God seriously. They don't take the warnings of God Seriously, They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. The oil in, in, in this parable, it represents the grace and the spirit of God. It represents the grace and the spirit of God. They have a form of God. They took the lamp. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They didn't think they needed to take the rest of it. They didn't think they needed to take the oil to make sure that the lamp stayed Burning the way that it needed to burn. They judged themselves as faithful and as committed. But remember that it is God alone. God looks at the heart and the motives of the heart and he judges us by our obedience. He judges us by our obedience. They have just enough oil to make their lamps burn for the present. Listen to that. These attendees, they took the lamp. They have just enough oil to make their lamps burn for the present time. To make a show as if they intended to meet the bridegroom. They're making a show as if they intended to meet the bridegroom. But they had nothing to sustain their burning. They had nothing 
to sustain their burning. The truth of the word is not grounded. It's not rooted in their hearts. They allow the word, the word goes forth and they allow it to be taken from them. They have nothing to sustain. Nothing to sustain, nothing to sustain them. They don't, they don't, they're not, their dispositions are not rooted and they are not settled in resolutions that in trials and challenges that, that they are necessary to sustain the faith and to carry them through. They're not rooted in that disposition, in that, dis, uh, in that uh, disposition. They're not rooted, they're not settled in that resolution that in trials, in trials, it is my faith, it is my faith that's going to carry me through. They don't have spiritual life, but instead they are influenced by external considerations. They allow external considerations. They allow external considerations to influence them. They don't have spiritual life. They want us to think that they do. They want us to think that they do, but they don't have, they allow any and everything to, 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 to make them flutter, to make them, to make them uh, uh, waver. They allow any and everything. They have no consideration and they make no provision for what is to come. They make no provision for what is to come. They are too busy trying to save face, too busy trying to look good before men, too busy trying to look good and to, and to look good before men, and they could care less how the Lord sees them. That's, that's how much they are in, in tune with people. That's how much they are, 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 are trying to be people pleasers and trying to, trying to, hypocrites, trying to look good before men. But they are denying the fact that it is God and God alone. They are not considering the fact that it is God and God alone who judges men. They don't, they're not considering the fact that at the end of the day, no one that they're trying to, to, no one they're trying to impress, no one that they're trying to, to, to save face for. Those folks won't be around in the end when it's time for the judgment. They won't be around in the end at the coming of Christ Jesus. They're not going to be able to look to say and to look for, to men for, to, be up, to bear witness to God. Because God is going to say, I knew you not. I knew you not. Regardless of what you try to show men, remember that I am the one you need to please. I am the one. Me and me alone. Me and me alone. What? And restoration has a lot to do with this. Why? Because we try to make people think that we got it going on. When God himself, he says, no, I'm looking at the inside. When I say you need restoration, I'm talking to you. When I talk about, listen, there is nobody under the sound of the voice of our pastor, under the sounds of these teachings, and that's the ministers alike. There is no one under these teachings that can say that God, where they can deny that there's some area of my life where God is trying to restore me. There's some area, listen, listen, every minister that gets up here, whatever one says is for the other, whatever the other says is for the other. No one is exempt. And, and, and Pastor, I'm hoping that, and hoping that you are also being, being blessed, that you are also being encouraged in these times to hear the word. If it's nothing more than to say, that, that to, to fortify, listen, to fortify you, help in the, in the sense, if, if there was ever any inclination, it's gonna help dry it up for you, it's gonna help cover it up. Any inclination that, 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 uh, the pastor and the role of pastor was not yours. So the, I heard you say that, 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 that God, he himself convicted you when you did when you said that you were not our pastor. 
See, to clear up all of those matters, and I'm sure it's cleared up now because God had to restore you. (laughs) See, but that's what God, God does. He is a restorer of his people. And again, no one is exempt. That's why we can't be like these five foolish and think that we, when we hear the word, that it's not for us. That's for somebody else. It is for you. It is for you. Why? Because the bridegroom is coming. Will you be ready when he comes? He is trying to make you ready, but you got to you got to take hold of it, and you got to say that word is mine. I'm going to not only hear it, but I'm going to apply it. I am going to obey fully, and I am going to conform completely. I am going to listen attentively every time you hear the word. I am going to listen. I'm not listening for somebody else. Yes, I may have a way with child, but I'm not listening for them. I'm listening for me. Yes, I may have a husband that's bringing me a lot of trouble. But guess what? I'm not listening for him. I'm not listening for her. I'm listening for me. Why? Because God is trying to restore me. Regardless of what they're going through. They got to get their restoration on their own. They got to want to take it on their own. But guess what? I want to take mine. Why? Because there is something that God has for me. In this time that I'm waiting, I want him, I want him to find me not just waiting, not just being, uh, being careless, not any of that. But I need to be about my father's business. I need to be doing whatever it is in this season that he wants me to do. I need to be doing it. And to do that, I must be restored first. I must be restored first. They don't look to these five foolish. They don't look to provide for the future. They provide. They don't look to provide for the for the for the future. But they they're trying to provide for themselves now, not considering anybody else, not considering anybody else. But look at verse. Four, in contrary to that, look at verse four. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps, while the bridegroom tarried. Oh, let's stop there. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So these represent these represent the members of the church. These were those with good hearts. They recognized the need for the all God's grace which represents the grace of God. They realized that it was the oil that was necessary to sustain their light. They realized that it's the grace of God necessary to sustain their life. They realized that it takes oil for steadfastness. That it takes oil for endurance. I'm reminded in, in, uh, uh, with a talk with, uh, uh, to Zechariah. Let's turn to Zechariah chapter 4. Really quick. Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. Let's. Read verses 1 through 6. And the angel that talked with me, this is Zechariah speaking, and the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, 
which are upon the top thereof, and the two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bow and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake unto the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. So here we see that, that, that he, God was showing him, the Lord was showing him. Because uh, Go back up to, to verse 2. That candlestick, that is God alone. The candlestick with all of gold, with a bowl upon it, the top of it, and his seven lamps, that's his people. That's, that, that's, that's the, uh, those of us who are professing Christ thereon. And seven pipes, then seven pipes to the seven lamps. That's the source of our life. That we have to understand that God is that candlestick. Jesus Christ is that candlestick. The Holy Spirit is that candlestick. And it has a pipe that pours. It has a pipe that's connected. It's connected. It is the source of the lamp. It is our oil that helps us to run. It's our oil that helps us to stay to stay steadfast. It is the oil. It is God's oil. It is God's grace. It is God's grace that feeds us. It's God's grace that sustains us. These wise, these, these wise attendees, they were prepared for what was to come. Even if it tarried, even if it tarried, they were prepared. They waited. They made a resolve to be prepared. They made a plan by taking that all. They made a plan and they took action. They made a plan and they took action. However, look, look at this in, in oh, go back to Matthew uh, 25. Matthew 25. Look at verse 5. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. While, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Even the wise must be careful. This is the lesson that, that we need to learn. Even the wise must be careful not to grow weary in well-doing. Even the wise, they must not lose sight of their first love, although all love may not be lost, they, may, they should not lose sight of their first love. Knowledge without zeal is not productive, and zeal without knowledge is not productive. Knowledge without zeal is not productive. They had the knowledge, they had enough wherewithal to take the all with them. They were prepared if the, Lord, if the bridegroom was tarried. They were prepared, but they lost their zeal when they start to slumber. They lost their zeal when they started to slumber. So you must, you must have both. You must have both the knowledge and the zeal to be, to be productive. And both of those, with both of those, you must rely on the grace of God to be effective and productive. That's the oil. That's staying connected to the source. You must be prepared. You must be, in order to be effective and productive, you must have knowledge, you must have zeal, and you must have the grace of God. Notice that they slumbered and they slept. Listen to this. They slumbered and they slept. Meaning what? One degree of carelessness leads and makes room for others. One degree of care. They first slumbered. And then, that, one, that was the first degree of carelessness. And then it led to sleep. 
See, slumber, slumber and sleep are kind of two different things. You know, slumber is like a nap. You know, it's kind of, you know, I'm not really, I'm not dead sleep. I'm just kind of, when my grandma used to say, I'm just resting my eyes. I'm just resting my eyes. No, grandma, you sleep. No, I'm no, no. I'm just resting my eyes. I'm just resting my eyes. That, that means I could hear, for the most part, she could hear everything that was going on. Her eyes was resting. And she may have gone in and out a little bit, but she heard everything. She heard everything. So that's different from sleep. So when you sleep, you, that's, I mean, that's, that's some, that's some down, that's some, you know, in there, that, uh, that's uh, unconsciousness kind of thing. That's an unconsciousness kind of sleep. So one carelessness, it leads to another. It makes room for another. There is a reason though. We have to remember that there is a reason for the bridegroom's tarry. That's allotted time. It's allotted time for those who are lost to be found. That's an allotted time. There's time for those who, who have no lamp at all. The time for those who have no lamp at all to obtain one. That's the, that's the time right there. There's time for those that wasn't prepared with additional oil to get some. That means to change their hearts and to change their motives. It's time. It's, it's a test of patience and faithfulness. And will you remain faithful? That is what, that is what that time is for. For the, the bridegroom tearing. That's why he is tearing so. Look at verse 6. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Listen, there is an appointed time. There is an appointed time. And although Christ may be tearing, he is sure to come. He will come when we least expect him to come. That's what the, this midnight represents. When you least expect, that's when he will come. For no one knows the day and no one knows the hour. It is only in the mind of God. But nevertheless, whenever he comes, will you be ready? How will he find the members again, the members of the church of the living water occupying when he returns? Whenever he, whenever he returns, we will all have to give an account for how we occupied as we waited. We're all going to have to give an account for how we occupied as we waited. Look at verse 8. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Now, those, see, those that are not prepared, they, at that time, they're going to wish that they were prepared. They're going to wish that they were better prepared. They're not thinking about the time that they wasted being offended. They're now thinking about those, those foolish, remember we talking about the, we're talking about the, the, the foolish attendees. They're, they're going to wish that they had not wasted time being offended. They were going to wish that they had not wasted time rejecting the word. They're going to wish that they had not wasted time uh, uh, ignoring the counsel of God. They're going to miss and they're going to regret those times that they mocked those that seem to be doing too much. Though, you know, people say, you know, they, you're just doing extra. You're doing extra. They, they're, going to, they're going to regret the times that they said that. And they're going to wish that they had been the ones doing extra. They're going to wish that. Those that they, they say that those who are doing the most, they just doing the most. They're gonna, they're gonna wish that they had been doing the most. They are going to wish that they had taken the word more seriously like the wise. Look at verse 10. And while they went 
And while they went to, to buy the bride, and while they went to, so they went to, to buy the oil. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Those that were ready went with him. The others weren't able to recover. They weren't able to make it back on time. They weren't able to try to make up for the lost time. When Jesus returns in that day, when the bridegroom comes, your faith is sealed. And each of us will have to give an account for our lives. When that day comes, your faith is sealed. Although we'll be waiting still for, we'll be waiting still for the return of God. But when you die, We're talking about at the end of your days, your faith is then sealed. And then at the end, when the end of of time then comes, then you will reap that reward. You will reap that reward. And it will show that you were not ready. It will show that you were not ready. That in the waiting time, in the waiting time, you had not done what you needed to do to be ready, to make ready to meet the Lord. And all that he wanted you to do in between. What will he find you doing? Therefore, we must watch. Look, verse 13. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. What is that? That watching, that watching. We have to stay awake. That watching means we need to stay awake. We need to stay sober. We need to be diligent. We need to be alert. We need to be dutiful. We need to be dutiful. Look at Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. And the scripture reads, starting with verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. See, he's given us time. Again, I said he's given us time to collect our lamps. He's given us time to, to make use of that oil. He's giving us time for that. But that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in that midnight hour, in that time when you are least expecting. He is going to come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holiness, holy conversation and godliness? Seeing that all these things shall come to be. Seeing that he is coming back. Seeing that all of this is going. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and in godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye might be found 
of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and an account that that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. Remember, we talked about this blameless, being diligent that you may be found of him in peace, in peace with God, in peace with with men, without spot. And blameless. That is the work. Listen. That is the work. So in other words, as, as, as the scripture says in, in John chapter 9 verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. That when night cometh, that means when night cometh, that means when the Lord returns. When no man can work. No man can work. Look at, at verse, uh, as, we, as we keep in mind this verse, um, uh, verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, being diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Let's, let's keep that in mind as we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Told you we would eventually get there. I'm doing pretty good on time here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, let's look at verse 2. Uh, let's read verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. It comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. This is him talking... Talk just like he was talking. This is what the ten, the wise ten, the wise ten attendees, this is what they were doing. Again, being prepared with that light. They not only had the lamp, but they had the oil to help sustain them until the return. Because the Lord comes. He's coming. But if he tarries, and as he tarries, just understand that he is coming and he will return. So what should we be doing individually and as a ministry? What is our duty? I said you need to be dutiful. What is our duty as believers, those professing to be believers? So we know that God, and remember, we're also keeping in mind, keeping in mind that, that, that scripture that I read about being, uh, uh, being without blemish, being blameless and without blemish. So we know that Christ is the head of the church, the savior of the body. He is the provider of and for the body. He provides direction. He provides guidance. He provides commandments as, as the head of the church. He was given that position by God the Father. Why? Because he laid his life down. Remember the betrothed. He laid his life down for it. He sacrificed for the church. He gave himself 
for the church. He put on flesh as the word to fulfill the word, the gospel message, so that we might be cleansed, so that we might be washed, that we might be sanctified without spot or blemish to present the church to himself at his second coming. So you got to tie all, tie all of that, tie all of that in. Tie all of that in. The gospel message. He came and he put on flesh. Christ did. Put on flesh. The word put on flesh to fulfill the word. Oh, how great is our God. He put on flesh to fulfill the word. The gospel message. So that we might be cleansed by that word. Cleansed by Him. Cleansed by that Word. That we might be washed by Him. Washed by that Word. Sanctified by Him. Sanctified by that Word. Without spot, being without spot and without blemish to present the church to Himself at His second coming. He is cleansing us and He is washing us. He is sanctifying us by His Word. By Himself. He is sanctifying us by Himself. Through the aid of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works by grace through our pastor. I didn't forget about pastor appreciation. He works through grace through our pastor. And grace is a gift of God. It's a gift of God. Therefore, the position of pastor is a gift of God. If grace is a gift of God and grace works through the pastor, then the pastor is a gift of God. And that gift is used to perfect, to mature the saints. The members of the church, for the work of the ministry, the work is to edify the members. Remember the threefold ministry, the, the three, threefold ministry. The work is to edify the members of the church till we all come in the unity of the faith and come to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature and a complete man, remembering that the day is coming when the Lord shall return. Remembering that the day that the Lord shall return is all the work of the ministry. This is what we should be doing. Occupying until the bridegroom comes. Look, First Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven, uh, uh, descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Oh, what a great day when we shall see our pastor being raised after the sound of the trump. We shall see and then we shall all, and those of us, those of us who remain, those of us who, who, are, who lay, who lay sleep in the ground, all of us should be caught up together. But again, this is the work of this ministry. This is the work of this ministry. Look, look at, look, look at, look at this. It is the cleansing. Oh, verse five, chapter five. Go to, let's go to chapter five and let's look at, at, at verse two again. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail of a woman. But, uh, verse four. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. He's saying, listen, we are being prepared. We are being prepared. That's the work. What did I say? It's the work of the ministry. It is the work of the pastor. It is God first. 
the head of the church, God, God the Father placed Christ the Son over the head of the church and it is His direction. He gives the commandments. It is the grace of God working on His behalf, working for Him and that grace is working through our pastors and to bring us to an expected end, to bring us to a place of maturity, to bring us to a place where we're not hypocrites, to bring us to a place well, well, we are hearing, we're delighted to hear, to hear the word of God, to apply that word, to conform to that word. That the washing, the cleansing, the sanctify, that we might be without spot and that we might be without blemish to be present for the listen. All that they're doing, all our founding pastor was doing, all our current pastor, what she's doing, all of that is to make sure, to ensure that we are prepared and that we are ready to meet the Lord. That's the work. That's, that's the work. That's all that they're doing. That's all that they're doing. And guess what? You have a part to play in it. You have a part to play in that, in the process. Because, listen, the, the pastor, she cannot do it all on her own. She can't do it all on her own. The, the work starts with her. She puts things into place. But then she is expects that as we are taught, as we are restored, as we are taught, that we are taking those things and running with it. I heard Sister Castile said, you got to take it then and you got to run with it. You got to take it and you got to run with it. Why? Because, listen, you cannot ride on the shirt tails of somebody else that's doing the work. Because when the guy returns, he's not going to ask you, well, you were with that person. What were they doing? No, he's going to ask you, what were you doing? He's going to want to know what you were doing to make ready. What were you doing to be prepared? It's not about anybody else. When you stand before God, you stand before God alone. You stand before God alone. So this cleansing, this sanctifying, this washing is for the purpose of presenting us to himself when he returns for the church. And he is doing that through the work of our pastor. He's doing that. Remember, he is accomplishing this through the work of the gift of pastor that we might be continuously cleansed, continuously matured, working to edify and to build up others. That grace works in you. So that grace in you then can work to, for somebody else's benefit. Remember what I said. What I have for you, what I have is for you and what you have is for me. What the pastor has is for us all. That's the way that it works. What I have, you need. What you have, I need. What the pastor has, we all need. That is the work of the pastor, to start that work in us, to help mature us, to help bring us to a place where we are completing him and then we are helping to complete others. We are helping to bring others to an expected end. This is the work of the pastor, to do all that is required for our perfecting. All that is required for our perfecting. That means teaching. That means encouraging. That means correcting. That means rebuking. That means loving. That means demonstrating. That means counseling. That means putting things and putting people in place to assist in the work. That's all a part of the work of the pastor, as the grace of God works through her. Look at verse 12. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 12. That ye may walk honestly. Mm, no, let's do... Uh, 
verse 11. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. But I would have not, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not. Oh, but what I wanted you to see first was verse 11, that we need to be quiet and do our own work. Remember, again, that's what the, the restoration it is for you. Do the work. After you are restored, you are to help restore others. Others, That's the work. You need to be studying to do the work. Listen, there is nobody in this ministry that should be questioning what it is that they should be doing. No one should be questioning what it is that they should be doing. The pastor has already laid it out, what we should be doing. You put your hands to the work that has been laid out. That's doing the business. That's doing the business. Everyone has a work. Listen, if you've been restored, then you can restore somebody else. That's a work. If you are an elder, and I mean, I mean elder right now, I'm talking about elder in age. If you're an elder in age, there's some young person coming behind you that needs some direction. They need your wisdom. They need the wisdom, your, your experience. They need that. That's going to help. Listen, every individual, saint to saint ministry, I've heard, I've heard that again. Saint to saint ministry, that's what this is all about. That's what it's all about. This is why we celebrate. This is why we appreciate. This is why we honor the gift of pastor. Verse 13, and to esteem them very highly. No, verse 11, uh, verse 12, and we beseech you. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Seeing that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Not for all things, but in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not the prophesies, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. This is all our pastor wants. This is all our founding pastor wanted. This is all that they wanted. This is why they teach us. This is why they rebuke us. This is why they correct us. So that we can be edified. So that we can be built up. So that we can grow into the stature. So that we can grow into the stature. So then we can be laborers in helping others. Then we can see then uh, 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 verse 14 come into play. 
that we're warning each other. Unruly behavior. That we're comforting the people. We're supporting the weak. That we're being patient with one another. That we're not rendering evil for evil. That we are praying for one another. That we're rejoicing forevermore. Rejoicing. Despising not the prophesy, despising not the teachings that are coming forth. But we are listening, we are receiving again, we are hearing, we are applying, we are, we are, 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 are bringing ourselves to be obedient to the word of God. Bringing ourselves to be obedient in all things, in all things. Not tearing, but bringing ourselves to do the work. Not tearing, but bringing ourselves to do the work. Bringing ourselves to do the work. This is why we celebrate. This is why we appreciate and honor our pastor. This is why I choose. This is why I choose to honor our gift of pastors. In particular, my founding pastor and my current pastor because their work is evident. It has been effective. It has been productive work. We can see all of these things that, we, that they are teaching, that they are laboring, that they are dem- they have, their lives have been a demonstration. Their lives have been a demonstration. The work that they are accomplishing, they are accomplishing what has been designed, what has been ordained, what has been established to be accomplished. Our pastor did it for the time, for the, for, for the work that he was given and the dispensation that he was given. That work has been accomplished. And now I found our current pastor, the work that, that God has given her is being accomplished. And it's being the work, the work is being accomplished in our lives, in my life. My life has been changed. Our lives have been changed. And it is continuing to be changed. The elders have been positioned, are being positioned. The leaders are being established. They're being built up. Our children are being taught. They're being shaped. They're being molded. Our teens are being convicted. Youth with conviction. And there is much conviction that comes in those youth, in those youth meetings. Much. Whether they deal with it, whether they, whether they uh, 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 respond properly to it or not, conviction comes. Outreach opportunities have been created. They have been established. And more is being established. All of this is to prepare us. To ensure that we are prepared for the coming of the Lord. Christ the bridegroom is coming. Christ the bridegroom is coming. Not only, and so we're not only to be prepared for us, the present members, but for those who are yet to come. We got to prepare now for those who are yet to come. Those outside our four walls. Those within our four walls. That's the generations that I'm talking about. For the generations to generations, all of these things need to be passed down. For our children, for our children's children, and for their children. All of this, from generations to generations, until he returns. What will he find you doing? What will he find our church doing? Listen, we have been, we are being fed good. We are being fed good words. Good word. We have been and we continue to be fed. Good word. Sound word for our perfection. For our growth. For our maturity. Each and every one of us. And everyone participating 
Remember the prior teachings. Restoration requires participation. And when you participate, then you not only do for you, it, it, it works for you too. Because as you are working for the Lord, you, there's pleasure in working for the Lord. There's pleasure in being a part of what God is doing according to his purpose. But then you help, then you help others. You help restore others. You help bring them to the place. You help bring them to the place where the joy of the Lord is their strength. You help bring them to the place where they can find uh, their purpose, where they can find what it is that God has for them to do while they wait. And so on and so forth. Because we all need to be found doing something. We all need to be found doing the work of God. Doing the work of restoration. Doing the work of God. Doing the work of the mission. We should all be found doing that. From generation to generation. We should be found awake. We should be found sober. We should be found diligent. We should be found faithful. With the, lamp, with the lamp in our hands, we should be found with the lamp in our hands, prepared with all, ready and waiting. We should be ready and we should be waiting for the return of Jesus Christ our Lord. Ready and waiting. And again, this is the work of our pastor as she has starts, as, she, as, as that, that is her work. But then you ought to pick it up. You ought to pick it up. As she's teaching you, as you're being molded, as you're, you, you are growing, as you are maturing, you are to take it and run with it. Take it and run with it. Take it and run with it. Though it tarries, it shall surely come. It shall surely come. Out of your belly flows rivers of living water. You got to let them flow. You got to let them flow. What will the Lord find when he returns? And then the scripture says as much, will he find a faithful man? Will he find a faithful church, faithful church members? Will he find faithful church members at the church of the living water? That's why this is so important because the establishment, the establishment of this church needs to happen. It has to happen because it has to be here at the day of the Lord's return. So whenever he returns, there needs to be a church of the living water standing. <laughs> because that, at that time, that is the time. When all of our work has ended. And if we so much, if we, if we, we, if we dare, and, and that's why it's so important about that, that mission. Because that, with that mission, if we fail in one area, then we fail in them all. If we fail in one area, then we fail in them all. And shame on us if we have not passed down restoration from generation to generation. To where when God comes, there will be a church of the living water standing. Shame on us. That's why the work now is so important. Because the work now is going to lead to the work. Remember, you got to do the work in this season so that we can be prepared for the next. You got to do the work in this season so that your children can be prepared. <laughs> Listen, their work depends on your work. Their work depends on your work. Because they can only be as effective as you've shown them how to be. They can only be effective. That means you've got to pass down the faith because that's how you're effective. That's how you will be productive. And they have to, keep it, they have to remember that they need to take the oil. <laughs> they have to remember it's not just enough to be saved. It's not enough to just to have my lamp. That's not enough. 
I need to be able to continue. That means I need to stay with God because He is my supplier. He's my supplier. Listen, listen. The oil does not, does not need to extinguish. It does not it need to extinguish the lamp when the lamp is burning. But the oil is needed to rekindle, to re-fire. The, the light, the, the oil is needed to help keep it going. Because if you help keep it going, then you won't even have to rekindle or refire. See, that, that faithfulness, that commitment... That, that continue, that steadfastness, that endurance, all of that needs to be passed down from generation to generation. So in the day when the Lord returns, he will find us ready and waiting for him. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.